The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face Off. This episode, it's 1976 versus 1985. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. And keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. Welcome to Action Film Face Off, the show where two random years are selected, and my brother will bring an action film from one of the random years, while I bring an action film from the other random year. Then, those two films will do battle, using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. But let me introduce one of your hosts, my brother, U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 and 5 categories. Categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq, and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Ulrich, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. Thank you, Jason. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1976, and I have selected The Enforcer, starring Clint Eastwood. Marvelous. (laughs) What year did the randomizer select for you? I got the year of 1985, so I'm putting into our Videodome arena, Silverado. Starred the ensemble cast of Danny Glover, Kevin Kline, Scott Glenn, Kevin Costner, Brian Dennehy, and Jeff Goldblum. That's a lineup right there. It is. And that is a fine film, and we've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. It's not my film versus Jason's film. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine, or vice versa. This is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. So let me jump in with some quick info on 1976's The Enforcer. San Francisco. Sprawling, picturesque, dynamic. Eighth largest cosmopolitan city in the United States. Like every big city, it has its share of crime and violence. God! Don't let him kill me! He wants the car right now! San Francisco is the only city with a cop like Dirty Harry. What are you gonna do? Give him one. Clint Eastwood is the enforcer. The mayor of this pig city has been taken prisoner of war by the People's Revolutionary Strike Force. What do you want? You. What are you protecting these people for? You know how many they've killed? Sacrifices have to be made, mister. You got the wrong number, boy. We don't deal in violence. What do you deal in? Waiting for all you white hunkies to blow each other up so we can move right on in. You don't give up, do you? Sometimes. 
Not you. I'll tell you what you are to me, you little man. You're just a maggot who sells dirty pictures. Harry's got a lady partner. This is a first for him. Now I want you very slowly to put down that weapon and then on the deck and spread your legs. Are you kidding me? First there was Dirty Harry. Then Magnum Force. And now Eastwood is back as the Enforcer. The dirtiest Harry of them all. The Enforcer starred Clint Eastwood and Tyne Daly. This was before she got on Cagney and Lacey, and actually this is kind of what helped her get on Cagney and Lacey. The film is directed by James Fargo. James Fargo is kind of a right-hand man director to Clint Eastwood. We can talk a little bit more about that later. But for now, let me give you a quick synopsis of the rundown of The Enforcer from 1976. The Enforcer picks up three years after the events in Magnum Force, the second of the Dirty Harry films. So this is our third Dirty Harry film. And a threatening terrorist group called the People's Revolutionary Strike Force declare war on the city of San Francisco, demanding a ransom be paid. Otherwise, they plan to blow the city apart, kill the mayor, all that usual stuff. While Inspector Dirty Harry Callahan is kind of put to the side due to some unorthodox methods he used during a robbery, they ask him to come in and take care of this terrorist group, but they sat him with a new partner a female partner and old school harry is less than enthused but will she step up to the plate will they become friends by the end of the movie probably but we got to find out what happens so the two of them work together to take down the people's revolutionary strike force and that's about it's a fairly simple plot a little interesting trivia about this film i mentioned that james fargo is sort of clint eastwood's right hand man director james fargo is really famous for directing two films this and every which way but loose see the connection this tends to happen when clint eastwood has two films coming out in the same year for 1976 he had the outlaw josie wales coming out that he directed and he just didn't have time to oversee both major projects so he handed this over to his assistant director james fargo a little bit more trivia this is the highest grossing film at the time for clint eastwood period. It's movie made over $60 million in the U.S. and in 1976, that's no chump change. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. My last bit of trivia is Albert Popwell. He plays Mustafa in this film, and it's kind of funny because when Clint Eastwood's character, Dirty Harry, meets Mustafa for the first time in this film, he says something like, don't I know you from somewhere? Or haven't I seen you somewhere before? And he has because Albert Popwell was one of the gang members at the beginning of the original Dirty Harry when he says, do you feel lucky? In fact, Albert Popwell gets character work in almost all of the Dirty Harry films except for the last one. Jason and I will discuss this movie some more once we get into the scoring rounds, but now we need to hear a little something about Silverado. What you got, Jason? Peyton was a drifter. (laughs) Emmett wanted justice. (laughs) Mal had a score to settle. (laughs) And Jake... Jake was just plain crazy. Columbia Pictures presents Kevin Klein, 
Get some clothes on. Scott Glenn. You know, hanging around with you is no picnic. Rosanna Arquette. I think I'll ride along with the lady here. John Cleese. Today, my jurisdiction ends here. Kevin Costner. I glide! Brian Dennehy. What's going on? Hide and watch. Danny Glover. This ought to do. Jeff Goldblum. Excuse me. Sheriff, I'm a gambler who'd like to run an honest game here in your town. And Linda Hunt. Here's the good stuff. May it last a long time. In Lawrence Kasdan's Silverado. Used to be a peaceful town. Get ready for the ride of your life. Yeah, Silverado uh, was directed by Lawrence Kasdan, and it starred Kevin Kline, Scott Glenn, Danny Glover, Kevin Costner, Brian Dennehy, Linda Hunt, and Jeff Goldblum, along with many, many others. It was quite the ensemble cast. The plot was pretty simple. In 1880, four strangers become friends and unlikely heroes as they face down a greedy rancher, a slimy gambler, and a corrupt sheriff in the town of Silverado. Horses race and bullets fly as our heroes dispense frontier justice in the face of overwhelming odds. The 1980s saw the Renaissance of the Western genre in film, and Silverado was at the front of the pack. With a talented ensemble cast and a classic good versus evil yarn, Silverado spins an American tale of spirit, revenge, and retribution. I also have a few pieces of trivia for this film. John Cleese had a small role in this movie, and after working with Kevin Klein, he got the idea of the character Otto from A Fish Called Wanda, and they collaborated on that masterpiece in 1988. This was... That was a... I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointed. Very disappointed. (laughs) Also of interest, it's the first Western of Kevin Costner, who would later go on to star in Wyatt Earp, Open Range, and win the Best Picture Oscar with his Dances with Wolves in 1990. And then for you Home Improvement fans out there, Earl Hinman had a little bit part in this. He played Wilson on Home Improvement. He was the neighbor whose lower half of his face is always obscured in the show. It was interesting because his scene was where the house was on fire and he has a bandana around the lower half of his face. So, (laughs) (laughs) typecast. Yeah, he was typecast way back in 1985. But that's all for this one. Now that we have the basics on today's contestants, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the Video Dome Arena, folks. We're going into round one of the Enforcer versus Silverado, and round one is story. How engaging and original is the story? So, Jason, what are your thoughts on just the basic story of Enforcer versus Silverado? That's a good question, Jared. I think Enforcer was a simple story, good versus evil. What I liked about it was it wasn't afraid to show that 70s grit Mm. and the dirt of being a 1970s police officer in San Francisco. Although the story was kind of simplistic, the way that they wound the city itself into the narrative was pretty impressive. Yeah, I feel 
feel like they do that pretty well in pretty much the whole series of Dirty Harry movies. They really spotlight San Francisco, and you feel it in, I think, all the films, and in this one especially. I agree. And then the other element I really liked about it was Tyne Daly. I thought she did a spectacular job in the movie, and her character arc was almost as interesting, if not as interesting, as Dirty Harry Callahan's. Oh, bold words. (laughs) For Silverado, as I was looking at it, this is another simple one. Good versus evil. It captured the spirit of the old westerns. I like that. It was simple, but in a good way. The thing that I found most compelling about this story was Kevin Klein's character. He was the hero that was kind of stuck. He was coming from the villain side somewhat, and he was stuck in the middle between the hero and the villain. Hmm. And that tension, I thought, made him a very interesting character and made the story a little more interesting. So those are my thoughts. What about you, Jared? I uh, agree with you. I think the Enforcer is very basic and very simple, but they did something smart with that. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like a lot of 70s movies feel like they have to be almost epic. And by that, I mean long. And I think what the Enforcer did really smartly was trim it down and keep it lean. Simple story, simple pace. It's a 90-minute movie, in and out, and I think that's great. I think if they tried to make it more epic and squeeze it to two hours, I would not like it as much as I did. Yeah, it was a six-ounce steak with no fat. Yeah, it, it is very lean and entertaining. Not terribly original story, like you said, pretty basic cop story, not much more to it than that. Over in Silverado, I feel like they have a more complex weave going on because we're really following three to four characters throughout the movie. This one runs closer to, I want to say two hours, maybe just a hair over two hours. Yeah, I think it was just a little over two. And I think it was worth every penny. What I noticed about Silverado that was similar to The Enforcer, it's also very lean. We've got four characters, just a shy over two hours, and I felt like nothing was wasted. Once again, not just the 70s, but the Western genre in general, I think, likes to pad movies with sweeping vistas and scores and horse riding, and that's great. It gives you some great ambiance, but Silverado, I thought, was cut real lean. Every scene matters. I don't think there's a scene you can take out of there and still have a great movie like you have. So I think Silverado's story is just a little bit stronger. And speaking of which, now that I've given my thoughts and you've given your thoughts, I think we should score this. On a scale of 1 to 10, and I want to stress to our listening audience that 5 is average on our scale. That means it's good, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. Getting a 5 is not like getting an F here. It's just the way Jason and I talked about it before, it's a 5 is the kind of thing you'd see on a good TV show, okay? So that's kind of, you should get your mind right on that. So when it comes to the basic storyline of The Enforcer, scale of 1 to 10, Jason, how'd you score it? I scored it a 6, Jared. 6. And your brother Jared scored it at a 5. I think the story is very average, but I could see where you might bump it up just a tad, because let's face it, Harry Callahan's a compelling character. (laughs) He sure is. And you expressed your your appreciation for Tyne Daly, so I could see where that would bump it up a bit more. And for the record, I think she played the part really well, too. I think she nailed it spot on. She was fun to watch. Silverado, let's score out that one. Storyline, 1 to 10, where do you got it? I got that one at a 5, Jared. We are far apart on that one. (laughs) I have Silverado's storyline at an eight. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think I like the fact that it had multiple storylines going at once, maybe more than you did. Yeah, I think that uh, we'll get into it a little bit further down the road, but I think some of the things kind of just fell apart and some of the stories were more compelling than others. And I just appreciated the lean storytelling of the Enforcer a little bit more. 
Oh, okay. That's legit. That's, you know, hey, if we agreed on everything, show would be boring. Well, that's the end of round one, where we have Enforcer versus Silverado on the basis of story. And the winner of this round is Silverado. Let's see what happens in round two. All right, so let's talk about heroes. How cool is this hero? Let's start with the hero from The Enforcer, the one, the only. Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry Callahan. What'd you think about that one, Jared? Oh, this is an iconic American film hero. There's going to be some high marks coming from Jared on this one. I think he did what he needed to do through the film. I don't think this was one of his more standout Harry Callahan performances, but they're all good. They're all solid. So, I mean, this is Dirty Harry. He packs a big gun. He's got smart quips. He doesn't like authority. It's Dirty Harry. I mean, what more can you say? What do you think, Jason? That's pretty much what I have written here in my notes, Jared. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is Dirty Harry. Enough said. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm going to steal something that my wife said when we were watching this. She said, you know, Clint Eastwood's not a great actor, but he brings this presence to the screen like nobody else. The way he moves, the way he looks, the way he delivers his lines, even if it's not perfect acting, there's just something that holds your eyes to him and wants to know what's he going to do next? Charisma. Charisma. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that says it all right there. And then again, I just want to give credit where credit is due to Tyne Daly. I've watched many of the Dirty Harry. Well, I've watched all the Dirty Harry movies and I really can't think of too many co-stars that have resonated with me, to be honest. the most memorable partner. You are she absolutely right. is. Yes. Her performance is spot on. And I mean, she was a charismatic character all of her own. So I think we kind of got two heroes for the price of one with this one. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think about Enforcer. What about Silverado, Jared? What What were your thoughts on the hero <laughs> or the plethora of heroes? Speaking of <laughs> two for the price of one, it's like 11 for the price of one in this movie. Yeah. You got a few to choose from in Silverado. I tell you what, the ensemble cast is is fun to watch. And what's kind of interesting about it is there's no real huge names. Now, I know we both have love for Scott Glenn, Kevin Klein, and Danny uh-huh. Glover. Danny Glover. Uh-huh. Kevin Costner probably rises the highest into superstardom of all these people, and this is very early in his career. That's debatable. I mean, I'm a big Danny Glover fan, but <laughs> besides that. <laughs> so you have a lot to pick from, and they all have different arcs, and they're all compelling, and they're all really good and solid. Like you said, Kevin Klein probably has the most tension in his part. Kevin Costner's just straight up having fun. Scott Glenn is your, well, frankly, Clint Eastwood character. <laughs> when we've got that compared. Yeah. going on. Not to slight it, though. He did a great job. I'm not sliding his performance one bit. And then Danny Glover's got a really compelling story to tell about his family, the dynamic with his sister, issues of racism. There's a lot going on here, and I find them all good and compelling, so I have zero complaints about the hero cast in Silverado. What about you? Yeah, I thought the ensemble cast was really solid. Like I said, I think Kevin Klein's the one that resonated the most with me. I found his character the most interesting. Danny Glover probably was a close second. I thought that his story arc and his relationship with his sister and his father, all fun. Kevin Costner, eh, he kind of annoyed me a little bit, to, to be perfectly honest. But, I mean, he was good. Scott Glenn, I hate to say low-rank Clint Eastwood, but that's kind of, yeah, he was a little flat 
for me. I wish it, they would have done a little bit more with him. But all in all, they, I thought they did a, a pretty bang-up job. I do want to pipe up for Costner for one line that gets me every time. When Klein gets thrown into the jail cell with Costner and Klein says, uh, it was self-defense or something like that. And Kevin Costner goes, that's just what I said. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that scene, too, when they break out of the jail. Yes. That's, uh, that is one of the most entertaining scenes in the movie. Just really felt like they were having fun making that film. But now yeah, we can talk more about that later. This one's close with me, but let's hear what you scored it. How did you score the heroes in this lineup here? Over on The Enforcer, this is Dirty Harry Callahan. He got a 9 out of 10 for me. Oh, nice, nice. What did you score it? I scored it a 7. I thought Dirty was, Harry gets a 7? This Dirty podcast Harry, is over! Dirt, Dirty <laughs> Harry gets a 7. I felt he was phoning it in a little bit. Uh, okay. so Still well above average. Okay. Still well above his, above average. But then you got to figure Clint Eastwood, I want a little bit more. That's fair. So Silverado, what were your thoughts on that one? Pick a hero. In I, I, I kind of glommed them all together and just thought, you know, what did I think about this band of heroes together? How motivated, how interesting are they? And I landed on a seven. Seven out of ten. Nice, nice. That's pretty close to what I had. I gave the edge to Enforcer, I scored Silverado a six. And a shocker to no one, <laughs> the winner for this round is Clint Eastwood as Dirty Harry Callahan in The Enforcer. Let's kick off round three. Fighters come out swinging. Let's talk about the villain. Okay, a lot of times these action movies can be really lifted up by a good villain. How compelling are they? How menacing are they? How entertaining is this villain? It's just like last round for the hero, but now we're talking bad guy. So let's get into it, and we'll start with 1976's The Enforcer. What'd you think about the villain and or villains, Jason? Entirely forgettable. Yeah, 100% Um, agree. (laughs) I mean, these were not villains. These were tropes. These were tropes on stage. If you would have had target practice silhouettes, they would have acted as well as <laughs> in this movie. They were so two-dimensional. That's all I'm going to say. It's not good. What yeah. about you, Jerry? I'm not going to drag this out any further. And I'm just going to say I 100% agree. These are completely forgettable villains. Let's move on to the more compelling villains, I suspect, in Silverado. 1985's Silverado. What do you think of those villains? Well, you are correct. <laughs> it's much more compelling than Silverado. I love Brian Dennehy. Great actor. Was outstanding as the villain Sheriff Cobb. Mm-hmm. Probably my second favorite actor out of the movie after Kevin Klein. Very layered acting. There was this very thin veneer of charm and joviality that he shows during the movie. And then it's just, you can see that soul of spite in his eyes. And it just comes across in just about every scene that he has with Kevin Klein. It, is just magnificent. I also like Jeff Goldblum. He was like a snake. He was like <laughs> charming and lethal as the gambler Slick. One of my favorite parts of the movie is when the house catches on fire and everybody at the gambling table runs out to go put out the fire. He just sits there and then once everybody clears out, he just starts looking at everybody's cards. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't care about anybody else. Starts cheating immediately. Yeah, that's movie gold right there. That's um, Gold Bloom. That's <laughs> Gold Bloom. Hey. Hey, hey. Don't make me laugh. So, yeah, I I really like the villains in this one. What do you think, Jared? I wholeheartedly agree with you. Dennehy is a great actor. He plays it well. Like you said, Surface, he's kind of likable. There's brief moments. I think this is a key thing I want to hit on for great villains. There's brief moments in every great villain where part of you goes, you know, I might have to do that same thing. (laughs) 
know? He's in a tough spot. He's trying to keep the peace. Does he make some bad decisions? Yeah, he does. But often forgettable in this movie is there's sort of a villain behind him. I don't remember the guy's name. Basically, the- I know there was a third guy. There's like a family totally thing that runs the town. They've got bad blood with Scott Glenn's character. Like there's a whole ranch owner thing. That guy was forgettable. You know, he's pushing Dennehy's buttons. But because of that, sometimes you feel a little bit for Dennehy, but then you remember that he's pretty much a snake at the end of the day. So like you said, lots of layers. Very cool performance there. I think Jeff Fahey played one of his lackeys. He's always neat to see him pop up with those crazy eyes of his. Yeah, he did have some crazy eyes. So I guess there's nothing to do but to score it. Let's score it. All right. Enforcer, what are you giving the villain? Two. I'm giving it a three. I think we're really close. <laughs> That's a charitable three. <laughs> the cardboard cutout <laughs> villains get low scores. I yeah. have nothing memorable about it. In fact, when I started the movie, I was like, you know, I don't remember the villains in this movie. When I finished the movie, I was like, you know, I don't remember the villains. <laughs> what was that guy's name again? I don't even know. The most memorable thing is he got taken out by a law's rocket. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Let's talk about villains from Silverado. I have a feeling they're going to do a little bit better. What did you score this one, Jared? The villain ensemble, mostly carried by Brian Dennehy in Silverado, I gave a seven. We are in total agreement on that one. I scored it a seven as well. There you have it. And so the winner by a clear knockout on this round is Silverado. All right. So let's talk about overall spectacle. We're on to round four. Time to talk overall spectacle. How visually engaging is the film overall? How are the stunts, the effects, cinematography, all that good stuff? Jared, let's talk about The Enforcer. All right. The Enforcer, like you mentioned earlier, it's real gritty. There's nothing real spectacular about it, but it does a really good job, like we mentioned before, of making you feel San Francisco. They're always looking for landmarks for these films, and this one's no exception. There's a lot to be seen, even though it's... It's not necessarily cinematic. It's gritty and dirty city of the 70s, but that's part of its charm. So that's kind of my thought of the overall spectacle. When you wrap in stunts and effects, they're all done well. That's about yeah. all I have to say about that. What do you think? Pretty much going to parrot everything that you said. Again, I love the city of San Francisco as the setting. Alcatraz was really cool in the final scene. I enjoyed the action sequences in the middle from the liquor store pulled up to the chase across the roof tops, etc. Mm-hmm. Kind of plodded along sometimes, but it was always interesting and engaging. Again, Eastwood's sheer presence. Sometimes you just felt like you were riding along in that squad car with him. It always kept you engaged. Yeah, that's about all I got. have to say about that one. What do you think of Silverado? Silverado's spectacle is pretty grand. They've got some great Wild West sets. They've got great cinematography. Stunts are really good. It's very visually engaging all the way through. I'm probably tipping my hand here that it's going to get a higher score than The Enforcer, but I think there's a lot to see in Silverado. What say you? Well, I agree that there were some scenes that were quite spectacular. The final gunfight being probably the most spectacular by far. Some of the movie really kind of plotted along for me, and there were some things that just went nowhere. Rosanna Arquette's character. Yeah, that kind of got left a little behind and forgotten. Yeah, it's like they were trying to figure out what to do with her and really never did. So it's just kind of like, okay, so she's there for some reason. And the way that they got rid of her husband was just like, it was almost Monty Python funny. 
You knew he wasn't going to make it. I, I'm going to go with you. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to be totally unlikable while I do it. Yeah. I'm be <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, all right. You, you got about as much odds as any partner of Dirty Harry Callahan. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Put on this red Star Trek shirt. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to end up. So overall, I thought, yeah, it was good. But there were some pieces of it that I thought plotted along to no particular. And mm. kind of like what a Pat sentence is. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably not listening. Uh, I'm sure he's not. <laughs> All right. Nothing to it but to do it. Let's score it. Enforcer, how many points, Jared? Overall spectacle, I say it's a little above average. I give it a six. Six is a good score. Exactly what I have it scored as well. Oh, look at that. Silverado, how'd you score this one? I feel like I'm going to score this one higher than you. I have it at an eight. Yeah, you scored it quite a bit higher than me. I've got it as a five. Ooh, doggies. Nothing in there I haven't seen before. Oh, man. Silverado comes out by a single point. All right, round five. Get over here! Is the best overall action scene. First of all, I'm wondering if we're going to agree on the best overall action scene. We probably will, but you never know. Basically, this is action film face off. So you better have one darn good action scene, at least one darn good action scene in your movie if you want to make it into big time here on action film face off. So let's get into it. Spend that budget. Spend it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. So let's go to the enforcer. Jason, what do you think was the best action scene and how did you feel about it? There were a couple action scenes in there and I was kind of floating back between three of them. <laughs> I really like the gunfight, the hold up at the liquor store. I thought that was good. The rooftop chase, I thought was good. At the end of the day, though, I have to give it to the Alcatraz scene. And mostly that was for Time Daly and her performance in there. I thought she was really good. You wouldn't go wrong with any of those three scenes. That fist fight, too, at the brothel. That was interesting, too. Mm, guess what I'm going to pick? Fist fight at brothel? Fist fight at the brothel. That was cool, too. I'm going to stick with the climax at Alcatraz. I thought I was pretty well done. I liked the setting. Don't understand why the bad guy felt compelled to trap himself up in the tower. It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Yeah, I was like, what are you going to do now? He didn't even bring his hostage with him. He left the mayor like two stories down on that tower. Uh, He drug him like halfway up and then let him go. Just like, I I don't know. But at any rate, that was my favorite scene, the Alcatraz final battle. What about you, Jared? I already tipped my hand. I like the fist fight at the brothel slash where old ladies were selling kissy pictures slash think they were selling smut slash you could get lessons on how to have sex with a sex doll slash. It was a weird place. It was really (laughs) strange. Even though it's brief compared to the others with the rooftop chase and the final battle, I just was like really engaged. And I was like, this is cool. I guess I like to see Clint Eastwood throw hands instead of bullets or something. I don't know. I just remembered better shootouts in other Dirty Harry movies. I thought this one was kind of, you know. I think we've made a good point here, though. I think all the action pieces of the movie are almost on par with one another. Mm -hmm. Which, on one hand, is bad because you don't have a standout action scene. But on the other hand, they're all pretty good. He did beat the piss out of that guy. Oh, my gosh. Yes, he did. He was throwing hands. I'll tell you, there's one reason and one reason only why that scene will never rank number one with me. Can you guess what it is? He didn't give the guy a swirly. Two reasons. (laughs) Okay, what was it? What hat was he wearing? San Francisco Giants? Weasel Skull's a Dodgers fan, man. (laughs) Take that crap off your head. He lives in San Francisco, man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. (laughs) All right, fair enough. Scene's dead to me. (laughs) 
Let's move it over to Silverado and talk about the best action scene in Silverado. There's a few to choose from here, and I think you might have mentioned it earlier, though, which one you liked best. Go ahead and regale us with your favorite action scene. There is not a few to choose from, Jared. There's one to <laughs> choose from. It's the final action sequence, which is outstanding. You've got gunfights. You've got a stampede. You've got a final duel. You've got horse chases. If the previous two-thirds of the film were half as good as the final scene, this movie would have been a clear winner for me overall. Let's just clear the decks here. Yeah, the final scene is really, really good, and I agree with you. Let's just go ahead and narrow it down to our favorite moment of the final battle. What's your favorite little piece? And I'll give you a second to think, because I'm going to tell you straight up, I like that bit where Kevin Costner comes out, and he shoots two guys at once down two different angles. That was baller. That was... I did like that. And to be honest, that's the first one that came into mind. But I think my favorite scene was the one in the barn mm-hmm. with Kevin uh, Costner and Peyton when they're in the shootout and he comes down on the rope and smokes those two guys. And Kevin Klein does that badass move where he shoulder rolls and comes up and just smokes that last guy. You could definitely feel like near the end of that, they were like, okay, everyone at some point is going to get to do a roll and then shoot somebody. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of good scenes in there. The other one I really liked was Scott Glenn on the horse when he's riding Mm -hmm. in there. They're like riding on parallel with one another, like blasting down alleys and everything. And he comes through that window and just gates in the skull and do with his horse's leg. That was that was cool too. That'll happen. I, I'm gonna go the barn, the barn shootout. Yes, that's nothing wrong favorite. with that. Nothing wrong at all. Well, let's get into the scoring. Let's go back to the best action scene, which we were kind of a little all over the place on Enforcer, but again, they're all good. So one to ten, what'd you score it? For Enforcer, I'm giving that one a six. I have six written down in my notes. All right, moving on over to Silverado. One to ten, what'd you think? Best action scene. I'm giving that one a little bit of an edge for seven. I I have seven written down in my notes. Oh, well. So round five goes to, and perhaps the most important round, because this is action film face-off. Round five, best action scene, Silverado by two points. Good job, Silverado. All right, folks. Now we're going to mix it up a little bit in round six. Round six is the deduction round. This is the round where Jared and I nitpick these movies <laughs> and take away some points for things that were, well, just stupid. Just stupid. <laughs> So let's start it with Jared. How many points are you deducting from the Enforcer and why? I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be no fun on this round. I'm not deducting any points from the Enforcer. I really thought the low point of the movie was just it's terrible villains. And I already took it out on the villain score. So zero deductions. The Enforcer was a solid all the way through picture. Somehow, I think you found something, though. So lay it on me, my man. I'm knocking off three points. Right away for having some of the worst acting extras that I have ever seen in a movie. It's not just the villain, it's every villain. (laughs) The mayor was just so stereotyped. I was wondering, like, is Clint Eastwood, like, intentionally surrounding himself with bad actors in order to look better? (laughs) I don't know. But the extras were god-awful. And for that, I deduct three points. May God have mercy on their soul. (laughs) Oh, my, oh, my. I got to start having more fun with these deduction rounds, apparently. (laughs) 
Well, you have another chance, Jared, because now we got to deduct some points for Silverado. Bad news, my man. Once again, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Nothing leapt out at me as like, oh, that's dumb. I don't like that. I'm no fun at all. I have zero deductions, but I do wonder. I know you've probably got deductions for it. What I'm wondering in the deduction round is like, does anybody win in the deduction round? <laughs> is there a clear win? Do you win if you have the least amount of deductions or if you have the most amount of deductions? These are your rules, Jared. You came up with these rules. Right. I don't know. I, I figured out by the time you're done explaining your deductions on Silverado. Lay it on me. I have several minor points, which I need to deduct from this movie. Okay. Point number one, shooting off the needles on a cactus. Cool. I call BS. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Because at first you think he's missing. But then you're like, oh, snap, he's shooting off the needles. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> Let's keep doing it. Fun. Deduction number two. Mm. Also minus one point. That scene where he gets so angry that he rips off the <laughs> okay. bandage off okay. his head. Okay, I will jump in. I Maybe I should have put one down. I'm not going to change my score. But I will say this. My wife, Johanna, is watching it with me. And she goes, how is taking his bandage off making him tougher? <laughs> Yeah, that's not how concussions work. <laughs> you don't get so mad that you get rid of your concussion. You can't anger away a concussion. It's medically impossible. <laughs> I groaned when I saw it. I was like, oh, I forgot yeah, this. Yeah, I think if I had thought of that, I might have. But I'm sticking with my zero deductions. I find the movie completely charming. But I hear you. I hear you. Minus two points Damn. for wasting my time with Rosanna Arquette. Man. No reason for her to be in this film whatsoever. Man, oh, oh, man. She's the love interest for Payton. Payton. But she is, it seems like she likes Scott Easy. Glenn's character more. Then she's the love interest for Scott Glenn. <laughs> and he's like, no, man, she's crazy. <laughs> and then she's just gone. There's no, no reason. They all go their separate ways. <sighs> I don't get it. And they killed her poor husband to make room for that story that went nowhere. Minus two. One for each of the actors. Are, are you done or is there more to come? Oh, no. No, my friend. Man, oh, man. <laughs> There's minus one for Kevin Costner's annoying performance. It got on my nerves after a while. All right. Is that it? Oh, if only. Oh, my goodness. What is your deal with Silverado? <laughs> I'm going to bring it up again for the third time. And this time, I'm taking a point away from it. Just the convenient killing of Rosanna Arquette. <laughs> that was just so contrived and so obvious. I was like, when are they going to kill? Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Jason. Her man ain't even cold yet. <laughs> Now I'm done. So that's minus two, three, four, five, minus six points. Gosh, dog, minus six points. So actually the enforcer came out less scathed. So this is your round. So go ahead and announce the winner of this round. Here's a hint. It's the enforcer because you kicked the crap out of Silverado. No! 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 Yeah, I did like they did to Scott Glenn. <laughs> Silverado just ran over it with a horse a few times. Okay, I have a feeling it's going to rip its bandage off and be all right. <laughs> we'll find out momentarily. Yeah, so the winner, I don't know if winner's the right word, but <laughs> the least loser in this round is the Enforcer with minus three compared to minus six for Silverado. There you have it. Now, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you. And looking at the judge's scorecard... I was going to say, I haven't either. <laughs> don't worry, because I don't know either. The winner of this premiere episode of Action Film Face-Off, with a score of 61 to 53... 
1985's Silverado. Congratulations, Silverado. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... 1974. Ooh, stuck in the 70s, man. Dang, I was kind of hoping to get out of the 70s, but whatever. And I will bring a film from... 1978. Oh, Jason. Yes, sir. Your random number generator has given you 2018. Something from this year. 2018. Man, we could be farther apart. Well, we could since the show goes from 1970 to current year. So, but 1974, I got, you got 2018. What will those films be? Tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella at www.longboxcrusade.com or if you'd like to send us a question or a comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next episode, keep your head down and your knuckles up. My opponents never see me Gather up components and gladiator I'm rolling the mad ass Sailor, my homie They know it from my poems I'm like, no Like December when I get with your November I'm a rapper solo In the club with no members Oh no I stay with that Iron Man I got a vision like Avengers With the big guy All music in this episode is provided by musical genius Joe November. Be sure to check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.